This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. This coaching series on All Have Another Podcast is brought to you by VDOT. You can use VDOT to help with your training, or if you are a coach, you can use it as well. VDOT is a coaching app for runners of all levels based on the science of legendary exercise scientist and coach, Dr. Jack Daniels. If you're a coach and you want to learn more, send me an email, lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com. You can get a free 30-day coaching trial. And if you are interested in using their adaptive trainer as an athlete, just go to v.o2.com or download v.o2 on iOS or Android. You can use the code lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, for 20% off. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. I'm so grateful you are here today. And I am so excited to wrap up this coaching series, this six-part coaching series brought to you by VDOT02. I don't know about you, but I have loved talking to these coaches. They've all dropped so much knowledge and wisdom, and I hope you've soaked it up. I couldn't be more excited to end the series with Dilji Taylor. Dilji is the head women's cross-country coach and associate director of track and field at BYU. She also recently started coaching an elite group called Taylor Made. Dilji has been at BYU since 2016, and they have had crazy success under her leadership including a 2021 national championship in cross country. She's also coached individual cross country champion, Whitney Orton, who by the way, is going to be on this podcast. And you're going to hear about the story of what her goals were and dreams were for BYU and the team there when she started this job. We also get to hear about her own choice to run in college and become a coach If you have ever paid attention to these college track meets and cross-country championships, you have witnessed Diljeet's passion for coaching. I want to be coached by Diljeet. I want to be on her team. One thing I think that is so powerful and beautiful is that she talks about simply believing in someone. And that is one of the very most, if not the most important thing that she does as a coach, believing in her athletes and making sure they know that as well. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to have interviewed Dilji, and I hope that you take as much from this conversation as I did. All right, listen, this entire coaching series has been sponsored by V.02, which is a coaching app for runners of all levels based on the science of legendary exercise scientist and coach, Dr. Jack Daniels. Okay, so if you are an athlete, they have an amazing adaptive trainer, It's simple. You input your training preferences and the app will personalize your workouts and coach you leading up to your future races. And they use the systems of Dr. Jack Daniels. Now, if you want a more detailed description of what the adaptive trainer offers and just more about VDOT in general, I highly recommend you head over to my Instagram profile, lindsayhine626. I did a one-on-one interview with Brian, one of the founders, and he shares in detail. It's a 20 minute episode, a 20 minute conversation about everything they have to offer. But coaches are really expensive. And if you want help with your training, 
with science-backed research for how to get to where you want to go, check out the Adaptive Trainer. Go to v.o2.com, select the Adaptive Trainer, and use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, for 20% off. Now, if you're a coach and looking for a great platform, this is the platform I use and I've been using for years. And you can get a 30-day free trial. Just visit v.o2.com to learn more. It is such a time saver. And I love that you can save workouts, make templates, and be super efficient as a coach. Go to v.o2.com for a 30-day trial for coaches. Also, you can email me if you have any questions. Lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com. All right, friends. Enjoy my conversation with Diljeet Taylor. All right. So excited to have Diljeet Taylor on the podcast. Welcome to the show, Diljeet. Thanks so much for having me, Lindsay. Okay. So like I I know we're going to talk about running a lot, but I also want to talk about your fashion, your backyard. There's so many things I want to talk to you about because you are the best dressed coach in the nation. Oh, thank you. That's a big compliment. <laughs> um, so you uh, just got back from your girls doing a tempo run. Tell me about that, your women's team. Yeah, actually, it was just my pros. So this last year, I started oh, coaching a, a small little group. Yeah, they had a little tempo today. And so I just scheduled it at lunchtime and was just following them around in my car like I do. <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah. Um, Dilji actually sent me a picture and there's like beautiful mountains in the background and it's so picturesque. Yeah. Utah is a very pretty state and partially due to those beautiful mountains that you saw, but also the fact that it snows forever. And so we have snow on our mountains still. And it was a sunny day today, which has not happened in a long time. So um, you can see the mood shift happening in the state with everyone that you come across when the sun is shining. So very happy to be outside today. Um, how do you deal with that? Like the long winters and the snow? I don't. I, yeah, it's really hard. I, it's probably the hardest thing about living in Utah for me is, um, is the weather in the winter months. And you saw, you mentioned my backyard and we did that last summer or completed it last summer. And so I think it's even more brutal now knowing what's back there and not being able to use it for <laughs> half of the year. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to the warmer months. Uh, the summers here are wonderful, but January, February, and March are just brutal. And this this past three months has just been tough. Yeah. Well, let's kick off here talking about TaylorMade Elite and your elite group of, of women. I was so excited when I saw that announcement come through on social media. So were athletes just begging you like, come on, we want to still be working with you. It was kind of this unique thing because I've always said I don't want to coach pros. I love the collegiate age of women, right? You get these young women, you start talking to them when they're 16, 17, and it's such a transformational period of these women's lives as they enter your program and who they become when they leave. And I love having a hand in that four to five to now six years because of COVID. Um, and so I just didn't really foresee myself wanting to to continue coaching um, at that next level until three of my women who were all national champions and all leaving my program, all married women that wanted to stay in the state of Utah and wanted to continue being teammates and, and to continue that coach athlete journey. And that, that changed, they changed my mind, um, with it and I've loved it. It's, it's allowing me to grow in a different aspect of coaching, which I think is good for us as coaches to always challenge ourselves 
Um, and so, yeah, and I have such a unique relationship with those three women. They're so special to me. And we actually have a fourth one that came back, Erica Burke. She was an All-American for me that um, that just had her third baby and and reached out and said she wanted to come back and attempt the 10K, maybe hit the roads. And so, yeah, the four of those women um, really were the face of this program since I've gotten here. And there's a special bond between them, but then also between all of us. And so I'm excited to to continue that journey and, and see what it looks like. They're family now. So it's a little bit of a different coach athlete relationship than maybe what you will see with other pro groups. Cause, um, I don't have any daughters, but, but they are probably the next closest thing, um, to my daughters. Oh my gosh. I, I don't know that I've ever witnessed any program, you know, from the outside looking in that looks like yours, as far as like the family feel that you have with your team. Did you have that in the team that you were a part of growing up and in college? When I ran for um, the Nike farm team after college, that's what it was like. There was 40 of us out there and we trained and coached for this man who just cared about us. Frank Gagliano is a big mentor of Mm -hmm. mine and and the reason why I got into coaching. Uh, And yeah, I just, I wanted to be really intentional about what our purpose was here. And that's what attracted me to BYU is I wanted to make sure I was in a program, if I was going to take that D1 jump, that it was somewhere where we could win the right way. And and I feel like we're doing that here. So it's less about the performances and more about the people that are chasing the performances. And we found a lot of success building it that way. So it's something that we're really proud of as a program. That uh, And we don't always get it right. We're not always going to get it right as coaches or as a program, and especially women in sport. Um, there's a lot of ways that we have to reconfigure what that looks like for women now. Um, but, but I take pride in, and that's why we display it like, Hey, this is who we are. This is what we do. This is our team culture. And we hope that it inspires a lot of other young girls in the sport. What does the right way mean to you? Focusing on what matters, which is building strong women and, and really being, like I said, intentional about that. Um, we're not going to risk women's health for performance. We're not, and I'm tough. I I'm saying doing it the right way. I'm still a super tough coach. I have high expectations, but I back it with high love. And I think that that's the secret. The secret is not to lower your expectations and make it like a sorority. The secret is keep those expectations high, but make sure that they know you care about them as people before you care about them as athletes. And I try to do that. The line is, you know, sometimes it gets blurred when we're in championship season, but I really try to make sure that that's the focus. And, and I'm a big believer in empowering someone every day. And at the end of the day, I try to look back on my day. It's like, did I do that? And if I didn't, I won't, I won't enter my house. I'll sit in my car. Um, if you talk to my husband, he'll say she sits in her car every day when she comes home for 30 minutes. Cause <laughs> I just want to make sure I reach out to some women and, and let them know that they did something really good today to help build that self-confidence. You know, you, you are a tough coach. Um, and how do you decide when it's too tough or, you know what I mean? Like how to work with different athletes because some athletes can handle that tough love more than other athletes. For me, it's getting to know them on a personal level and really learning what they need from a coach and what are their own strengths and weaknesses and their personality types 
and then trying to, you know, trial and error. Like I said, I don't always get it right. I'll never say that I always get it right, but I try to get close. I try to get close. And and if something is not working, I'll come to the athlete and say, what do you need from me? How How can I help you? What can I do to make sure? But again, I thrive off of passion, Lindsay. So in those high moments that people tend to see all the time because they're captured, right? They're the pictures and the flow track videos and runner space that they, they capture all those highs. Um, there's equally matching moments that are the lows where it may be after a workout or most often in the middle of a workout or after a bad race where I do hold them accountable. Um, and, and that's part of it. Like we're going to experience these highs and lows together and make sure that at the end of it all, they know I care. And I think if that's the focus, they'll know it's coming from a place of care and not, it's more about their dreams and their goals and I'm helping them chase them rather than whatever they're trying to accomplish is, is about me. It's less about me and, and more about them. When you, so you came to BYU in, in 2016, what were your dreams when you came there? I was, you know, I think when you coach in a division two and you start tasting a little bit of success, which for a D2 coach looks different, looks, um, especially from a resources standpoint, but we started getting on bigger stages, right? Having some all Americans showing up at the Olympic trials with these D2 kids who were just blue collar athletes started kind of wondering what it would be like to do it at the highest level with the support and the resources and the the right women. Um, but I didn't have really outcome-driven goals. I wanted to get BYU back to national relevance. I thought that was a challenge. I don't know if it was really a dream, but I always wondered what could be. And so I took that leap of faith not to win a national championship or do anything like that, but just to see how how good could we be? Um, and and my dreams have evolved and they're continuing to evolve. I think all of us, as we, you know, are on this journey in life, we we take a look at, at what the big picture is and it just keeps getting bigger. And I don't know, there's no dream for me anymore. What What is cool about my job is I, I kind of marry into the dreams of my athletes and those become my dreams. And it's less about my coaching journey and more about their athlete journey and that's how we have found true success is um, I could never win again as a coach. And I'm fulfilled if I'm chasing dreams with, with the athletes. And that's what their dreams are. Just like at Division Two at Stanislaus, it was marrying the dreams of my athletes, men and women. And they looked very different. Some of them, it was just a dream to get to nationals. And so for me, that was success. If we were getting to nationals and that was a kid's dream, then I was a, a successful coach. And I, I, you know, you, it's winning is the best drug in the world. We all know that, um, as coaches and, and I'm competitive. Like I can't sit here and say it's all about just love and trust. And, and, and it's a big part of it, but I do want to, to be part of a winning culture and, and, you know, make sure we're putting our best foot forward and I want to beat everyone. I'm, I'm competitive. I want my women to be everyone, but, um, I just want to make sure that, our values stay aligned and our compass of, of, of morals in the running world, that we keep those in the right place. And um, that's where the culture piece of it is really important. Um, we're faith, trust, love built on gratitude. We can't shy too far away from that. And the BYU Run for Her has really just been a grounding motto for us to really remind us of why we do what we do. And 
it's easy to show up and fall uh, or like go to the dark place. We talk about that a lot in the program is like, you have to be willing to go to the dark place in races. And it's easy to do that when you do it for the little girl that fell in love with the sport. And when you're running for her, it's, it's different. It feels different. Um, you have more to gain and less to lose. And that's the mindset that we want to go into is, is we're not going into races and showing up to starting lines with something to lose. We're going in with something to gain. And I think that just shifts shifts the mindset, shifts the the anxiety and the nerves. It puts them all into place. And especially when you're doing everything built on gratitude, if we all look at the 10-year-old version of ourselves and she got to see where we're all at right now, that girl would be so excited and proud. And I think that's been important for women who have so much noise outside the sport with social media and with society and like cultural, biological, societal pressures that are placed on us anyways, I think it's good to kind of step back and just say, hey, I'm doing it, doing it for that little nine-year-old or that little 12-year-old. It's been important for our program, for my women. Did you come up with it, the Be What Run for Her? Yeah, we were at cross-country camp and we were trying to find something that would fit that the run for the little girl that fell in love with the sport. And I think it was our trainer at that time. We had just have these student trainers that um, come to camp with us. And, and she just said, what about run for her? And I was like, perfect. BYU run mm-hmm. for her. Cause that's what, yeah. you know, that's what it is. And so that has stuck with us and it's been our identity. You know, you'll see my women wear it. They have these little temporary tattoos during championship season. They'll have it um, on the back of their shoulders. And we've been able to grow with that. What did winning the national championship mean to you? I was really proud, um, especially coming off the pandemic. I think it put a lot of things into perspective, how hard those times were for women that had lost something. But but it was almost a moment of like, I remember standing with the trophy and going, is this it? This, this is the feeling. And it, it helped me really realize that uh, it's the journey. It's the, the moments I remember are what it took to get my women to have the confidence to chase that big dream of, of the win. And yeah, just put things into perspective. It's not all about the outcome. Now it was amazing because I don't know that mm-hmm. we ever knew that that was a, a true possibility, but uh, it was showing respect to the women who year one, you know, got a t- us a top 10 finish. And because of those women, the next generation of women believed. And it was to the 2019 team who, was six points off of Arkansas and and were the NCAA runner-ups and they showed up to that starting line believing they could win. It was for that team. So it that win was just so much bigger than all of us and it taught us that it is bigger than all of us, but it also taught us that it's not just about that single trophy. It's about all the moments that gave us the opportunity to chase that trophy. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that so much. Um, you know, you said when you got to be BYU, you wanted to get like nationally relevant again. You want that to be part of the story. And that quickly, quickly happened. And you talk about culture a lot. You're obviously a very, very good coach. You're recruiting well. You're doing all the things. Like what are the other reasons you think you, you all have rose up so much? It takes one person to believe in you, just one. And I, from day one, have said, I'm going to be that person in these women's lives. And that amount of faith has given confidence. And then that confidence is contagious. And you'll see that with successful programs, right? It's, it's hard to do it the first time. And then 
once someone shows that they can do it. And the it isn't winning the trophy, but the it is getting that 10th place finish. Um, the it is get, having women get all American and they haven't ever done that in a long time. It's that's the it. And so when that happens and it just is contagious, women just start believing and it was all built around just all I did is believe in them and all these great things have happened. And we've kept, we've kept the important things important. And I know that it's easy to sometimes lose sight of that when you are winning or when you're chasing wins. And I'm really proud of our locker room. I think that's a great example of, of what your culture on your team is like. The women who don't get to travel, the women who stay back, we call them the, our locker room. And those women are, we got the best locker room in the country. We have the best support staff. We have women lining up, you know, when we leave for championship meets and we have women making goodie bags and writing note cards and doing all these special things. Um, and, and eventually those women become the women who are getting on the bus and getting on the starting line. But everyone plays an important role in what we do. And that, that's what makes the sisterhood what it is. And so I think, yeah, it, it's not, um, it's not any one person that built this program. It's definitely not me as, as the coach. I, I had a vision, and it wouldn't have come to life without the women in it. So I think it's important that the leader has a vision of what they want the program to look like, but it's super important to make sure you have the right women that bring it to life. Yeah, how do you deal with that, like, you know, the number eight, the number nine, the number 10, 11 runner who really wants to be on the team and, you know, Obviously, they're still going to support their teammates, but there's a little bit of like, ah, I want to be there. So how do you talk to those athletes? It's okay to want that. That's the competitive nature that we all have. And you recognize and make sure that you validate those emotions and don't make teammates feel guilty for having those emotions. It's like, yeah, you should feel that way, but you can also celebrate someone else's success and not have it take anything away from your own. And you're going to have your moment. I don't, I can't promise what that moment is, but I've said that word, I, that line, I don't know how many times to athletes, you're going to have your moment. Mm-hmm. You will get your moment. And, uh, and it's happened. They do get their moment. And sometimes it takes years. Sometimes it takes months. Some women are really lucky. They come in as freshmen and they have these amazing freshman years. It's like, wow, you got your moment really early and others it's year five and they're finally having their moment. So, um, it's such a good example and an inspiration that it may come right away and it might be easier, but it may be harder. And if you just stay true to your dream, it will somehow come true. It may change, but some portion of it will come true. All right. Now this series, I've got a new sponsor that I'm really excited about because I've been using their programs for years. I'm a running coach myself and have been using VDOT for years. So VDOT02 is a coaching app for runners of all levels based on the science of legendary exercise scientist and coach Dr. Jack Daniels. VDOT offers access to the highest quality Olympic style training for runners of all levels right from any mobile device. It's designed to help runners train correctly and more intelligently. VDOT elicits maximum benefit while reducing the required effort. Dr. Jack Daniels spent his life researching how runners get faster, and one of his major findings was that running more or faster in your workouts doesn't always mean better results. VDOT workouts promote healthy, responsible, 
and beneficial sessions while simultaneously preventing overtraining. Did you hear that? I don't want to overtrain, do you? So listen, I've got a couple discounts for you all, depending on what you might be interested in with VDOT. So if you're an athlete and you don't have a coach and you want to check out VDOT, they have a great adaptive trainer. It is so simple. You input your training preferences and the app will personalize your workouts and coach you leading up to your future races. And unlike most running apps, VDOT knows you. It understands the type of runner you are, what you're training for, and how to maximize your efforts. It also gives you more control over your training, leveraging your feedback to deliver real-time data, which fine-tunes your training and leads to continuous progression. All right, so you can check out VDOT. If you are an athlete and you want to check it out, download VDO2 on your smartphone or visit v.o2.com, select adaptive trainer and use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y for 20% off. Okay. Now listen, if you're a coach like me or you're someone whose friends are always coming to you for advice about running, you can learn how to utilize the platform for your runners. This is what I use. I've been using it for probably four years now. And you know, I've been coaching runners for nine, maybe 10 years, and it is so much simpler with a VDOT. It has taken my workload down, and I really enjoy scheduling workouts in VDOT, and then athletes can leave comments on their workouts straight from the app. I can look at it on my phone. It is such a time saver for any coach. Uh, you can try this out for a 30-day free trial. Visit vdot02.com to learn more. And if you are a listener and you're a coach and you'd like a free coaching consultation with the team at V.O2 to discuss your coaching situation and how you can leverage the app to help your athletes perform, email me. I will talk you through it. Uh, Lindsay at SandyBoyProductions.com. How do you handle like pacing an athlete's development? You come, you have a freshman that comes in that's like a star athlete and they're really good, but you know, like... I don't want you peaking as a freshman here. How do you handle that? I try to keep mileage really low. Um, and so there's a progression there, but also just to keep them focused on not getting too ahead of themselves. We had two freshmen qualify for the indoor national championship this year. I've never had that before um, where they qualified on their own and, and they're lining up at the meet. And I have to remind them, hey, this is not normal. Like you're a true freshman mm -hmm. heading to NCAAs. And, you know, that's exciting when you have someone that comes first. And then you just put out a plan like, hey, first we get there. Then we get there and we make the final. Then we become top five. Then we try to go for the win. Like it's all part of the process. And you don't get everything in year one. And sometimes you don't get everything in year five. But there has to be a progression to it and to just make sure that they're following and trusting the plan for them which sometimes they want to do more because they want that instant success. But we talk a lot about we're never going to sacrifice long-term success for instant gratification. And just knowing that mm. this is a program of development. This is a program that's going to take women and spend a lot of years. And, and, and our sport is people think that once you peak as a young girl, you can't get faster. And it's like, no, look at our Olympians. They're all grown women that are 27, 28. Um, so you get better as you get older and just really teaching that. And it starts at the high school level, right? We have this crazy amount of um, 
knowledge available now to to these young kids that are trying to live like pros when they're 15 years old. And I'm against that Mm. idea. Just be a kid, go to senior prom, you know, just do all the things that are fun and, and balance it out because college should be those years. And, and you want to make sure that you give longevity to their career. And so it starts when they're, I play all three sports, like don't, don't specialize, you know, at age 13 with just running and running all these miles. And we're very low mileage. A lot of my freshmen, um, they only run 40 miles a week and you'll see sophomores in high school running 50 and 60. But I think that helps with the progression and just also being healthy. It's more sustainable to be consistent and you get better with consistent training versus try to hit the ground running and run 60 miles as a freshman. And then you catch yourself on the sidelines for six weeks and then coming back. And we want to just like stabilize that roller coaster that tends to happen when, when women enter the collegiate um, part of running. But yeah, just really just reminding them of, of what progress looks like and leaving something for the next season. Um, how do you handle when a woman is like their body's changing and they're like going through puberty or something like that, like l- a little bit later than you would anticipate? Yeah, I would really like for it to happen in high school. That's That would be ideal. But a lot of times when girls are training super hard and everything is delayed, right? You get delayed menstruation from that overtraining at an early age. And then bone strength is delayed if menstruation is delayed. And so we really encourage women to embrace the changes that come with their body and and the sooner it happens the better it is for for your running and so some people want to fight it because they think that when they go through that they're going to go through a slump and so they don't really want to face that slump but it's inevitable we want I want to train women I want to train strong women and so embracing that um embracing that change and and really understanding it sometimes it happens when they become freshmen in college you see that and that's part of it. It is part of the sport and you will be stronger on the other side of it. We just have to, we have to show that. Um, like when I see, I know you talked about the pictures and like, you know, what people are highlighting and how fun that looks. Um, but like when I saw the picture of you like running on the track in your jeans and that blue Navy sweatshirt, I'm like, I want her to be my coach, like my life coach. You, you've, it, you have this like energy that is very much like magnetic, I want to say. Thank you. I'm motivated by people and I get energized by people. And so every day coming out to practice, they're the ones that spark that energy inside me or bring it to life. I think it's there, but when I'm just by myself, I'm not bouncing off the walls, Um, you know, but I I think (laughs) being around my women or just people in general that have good energy, it just brings it out. And I love what I get to do. I never wake up and think Mm -hmm. I have to go to work. I, I, I love it. I look forward to it. I love the just standing on the track with a stopwatch and watching my women just chase their dreams. And I love that. It's so exciting. And then when good things happen, I want to celebrate it. This sport is hard and, you know, i I'm excited all along the way, every win, every small win, every PR, those are exciting moments for these women. And I want to make sure that they look over and realize that I acknowledge and respect and celebrate their hard work um, alongside them. I don't know that I know anybody that loves their job as much as you. Yeah, well, running was not um, – I didn't come from a culture that supported an Indian girl running in college or chasing a profession of college coaching. This wasn't something that was ever on – the. this is not a conventional path for me. And so I mm. – 
I go through everything I get to do with such a lens of gratitude because it wasn't supposed to be like this for me. And so you're going to see me wholeheartedly show gratitude in the way that I coach with my passion because I do love it. I love it because I'm not supposed to be doing it. And because I'm doing it, it's allowed other Indian girls who are now entering sport and seeing me in this role realize that it can be fun and we don't have to just have one path that we're supposed to do. And so, yeah, a lot of that passion is because I'm doing something that I really love. And I didn't know if I was going to really get to run in college or run professionally after college or now be helping other women as they navigate through their athletic journeys. And so, um, I'm super grateful, super grateful and super humble that I get to do this. And it may not always come across as an amount of humility and grace, but deep down in my core, there is a lot of humility and grace to, to this arena. Like, what did that look like when you told your parents you wanted to run in college and like, what, what were, what was expected out of you? I was always told Indian girls don't run in college. So when I started getting recruiting, recruited at the age of, you know, junior and high school, the decision was made for me. And so those letters would just go unopened and um, I actually Mm -hmm. moved out of my house. Yeah. I I had a really rough entry into collegiate athletics. It was something that I had to leave my family for. And so um, I want to be that support system for people that are chasing a dream. I didn't have that. Um, And I just, I did it on my own. And that's why I ended up at Cal State Stanislaus, which was the local university and was a walk on after a year and a half later, I came back and just walked on to the track team um, and then ended up earning a scholarship and being an All-American and having a ton of success. But it wasn't in the in the cards for me. And so there's a level of gratitude that I probably live with every day uh, because of that, because of that upbringing, which has been a blessing now because it's enabled me to really fully embrace this role. Wow. I didn't know that part of your story. I saw that you recently went to India. Do your parents live there? Do your grandparents live there? Who lives there? No, we have a house there. I actually went with my two athletic directors, which is so unique um, from here from BYU, my two ADs and a donor um, and good friend who who is Indian. And just, yeah, they took us to India and we spent 10 days there and it was great. I've fallen back in love with a culture that I think I was trying to push away because I saw it as so restrictive. And through my adulthood, I've, I've really embraced the things that I love about it. So, um, full circle moment for me. That's so cool. Have you made peace with like how everything went about, like happened in high school when you moved out? Yeah. I wouldn't be in this seat right now as the person that I am today without that hardship. And I would not be this stubborn uh, woman that I have become Mm -hmm. and really confident in who I am and what I want to chase. And yeah, it just helped me have this I can do anything attitude. And I I have a lot of good things I learned from my family. I'm successful because of them um, and in some ways in spite of them, but all all good things. So yeah, I'm very grateful for uh, the lessons I was taught growing up and I'm grateful I had the courage to to chase my own dreams, which I'm living every day. What's your message to someone who might be in a similar situation where they feel like restricted or like I'm not supposed to be in that seat or I shouldn't be trying to do that? 
if you follow your heart, it won't steer you wrong. And running for me was something that just kept coming back in my heart. I would see people running. I would see track practice happening when I would drive by the local university. And it just, it was in my heart. I should be doing that. And I want to be doing that. And so um, it's also why it's really special for me to be here at BYU with these women. It's, it's different. The culture is different and it's unique and I can relate to it in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, follow your heart and there is no ceiling or there is no path that you have to take. It's, it's what do you want it to look like? And I, I want girls from ages eight to 13 to just be filled with love and confidence and self-belief so that, uh, you know, they don't have to wait till their forties to have this the same level of confidence as their male counterparts. Cause that's kind of what happens with young girls. And then as you enter, uh, the working world, it takes a long time to catch up. So I'm passionate about that. I've started this girl dad camp here at BYU where we bring dads and daughters, uh, for a weekend. And we talk about that, what it looks like to chase your dreams. And I, I don't know if I would want to make such an impact in that area if I didn't have my story. So I am grateful for it. Mm. That's so cool. Um, BYU, most of the students going to BYU, they're part of the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. You are not part of that religion? Correct. So what is that dynamic like then? Well, I grew up Sikh, and in the Sikh faith, it's just spiritually taught, like whatever someone is, help them be the, the best version of themselves. So if you're Muslim, be a good Muslim. If you're Christian, be a good Christian. So it was easy for me to come in and it's like, oh, you guys are, you know, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Like, I'm going to help you be great at that. And I fit here because I respect every faith and I respect this faith. And um, yeah, it's it's been, there are some moments like, huh? I have those moments here all the time. <laughs> um, but overall, I've I've been just embraced and been allowed to to just fit right in and I, I I love it. I actually really love it. There are hard things about it at times, just from a cultural standpoint, but there's nowhere else I want to be. There's no other women I want to walk into a arena with than than the ones that are here. And there's something special because of the uniqueness of this place. Mm, that's beautiful. You mentioned the dark place earlier. What do you do? How do you handle it as a coach when you just know in your heart an athlete chose to not go to the dark place? Well, they have a choice. I don't handle it very well because we practice going to the dark <laughs> place. And so the expectation is that they'll at least get there. But we will sometimes joke about it. It's like, you got there and then you just backed right up or like you knocked on the door, but you didn't really go in. And uh, we talk about that, but really you want to get them to the point where they embrace that dark place. Cause that's where the light, the light is on the other side of that dark place. And so just teaching that, you know, they might go, they might avoid it 10 times, but hopefully the 11th time they'll get there. And when you see like a breakthrough performance where you're like, this is what we've been building for. Like this was maybe the moment that you mentioned every, you're going to get your moment. Um, what are like the words that you say to an athlete that gets there? There'll be some words, but mostly you'll see me jumping and screaming and celebrating, right? They, they know when they've gotten there because they're, that reaction is what happens. And um, there's always something good on the other side of that. I think that's what we're good at here is we're getting women 
who embrace the dark place, who, who actually crave the dark place, who want to go there uh, and are willing to go there. And that's, that's when good things happen. You write letters to your athletes before competitions. Tell everybody about that. It started, I was in high school and I was going to, um, I think it was section or state in high school. And my high school coach, who was a PE teacher, that's usually, you know, high school coaches, they have all these other hats that they wear. And she just wrote me a card <laughs> that, uh, that was just uplifting. And she had a couple of the other kids on the team sign it. And she wrote a little message in there. And it, I, that was just, it was so heartfelt knowing that someone acknowledged the work and was celebrating where you were at and was just proud of you. It felt really good. And uh, when I got into coaching, it was one of the things that I thought I would do for every kid before every single race. And I have done that. I've been coaching for 17 years and it's a lot of note cards. Sometimes I'm like, ah, why did I start this tradition? Um, But (laughs) it's my signature now, right? I'm pretty sure that, uh, yeah, every kid before every race, and they they get fancier as the season goes on. <laughs> like more intricate stationery and glitter and all the yeah, things. Yeah, and like pictures. Like if it's an NCAA championship, you're going to have, you know, all kinds of ribbon and a picture and just, yeah. They start out as plain cards and then they just gradually get better. I hope that when people hear this conversation, it encourages them to be that person for other people in their life, not we're going to be NCAA coaches or, you know what I mean? But like, I hope that this can inspire people to say like, you can be that person that believes in someone just like you're doing for your women at BYU. Yeah, I hope so too. And it's not just in sport, but also just in life. Um, When you tell someone that you believe in them, it opens a whole new world of possibilities and, and just gives that person a lot of faith and confidence in themselves. And I think my women hear it so often that they get to a point of their journey where they're like, okay, she's told me this. Now I, I will believe it just naturally and organically happens. Um, just, just takes one person to believe in you. And so um, I actually get a ton of note cards now from my women. It's, it's, yeah, they have a whole box of them and um, it's, they get it. You mentioned Frank Gagliano and, and I'm curious coaches of your past like him. How were they instrumental in teaching you what it means to be a good coach? For Gags, especially at that age, being a little bit older and in college, when you're kind of figuring it out, you're learning the things that you really like and the things that maybe you would do different. Um, but with Gags, he really taught me about the art of coaching. And there, there's an art side to it. And the science is super important. We all know that the X's and O's matter and you have to learn how to you know, structure workouts and get kids to peak at the right time. But the art of it and and figuring each kid out and caring about the kid, I learned that from him. And those three years that I was under his direction, I built an entire coaching career off of those three years. Wow. There's been a common thread on this podcast with, I, I mean, so many different people whose lives he has touched and had a direct effect on what they're doing with their career. So when I heard you talk about him in another podcast interview, I was like, of course, of course she was connected to him. Yeah, I love him. Um, Every time there is something crazy successful in my life, I'll reach out to him. And uh, I don't know 
if he really knew the impact he was having. I wasn't an Olympic qualifier. I wasn't a, you know, I wasn't even the best kid on the team, but he took me under his wing and I've, because of him, I've coached these kids to, you know, being national champions and all Americans and world finalists. And that's, that's all part of what he did. And he still has a big hand in, in the way that I coach and in the lives of my athletes, there was a lot of gags present, but he was also a fireball. Like when he was mad, when gags would get mad, like I've been on the receiving end of that as well. And so, yeah, he let you know exactly what he was thinking and feeling. And there's some trust that comes with that. When you know exactly where you stand, there's, there's transparency builds trust. And he taught me that. So it's been, it's been good to, to model my coaching career after some, some guiding principles that he lived by. Do you think there's like a, it's important. I don't know if intimidation is the right word, but like when a kid comes into a program to be like, um, healthily intimidated by the coach or what the program is going to be like, she's a tough coach. Yeah. Sometimes I'll hear, well, there are people are scared to come into my office all the time, like freshmen are intimidated. And (laughs) if you do it enough, you'll just not become intimidated. But the reality is, is we have to prepare these women. They're going to have much harder conversations than the one they have with me in the office, right? And so if we can get them past that and get uncomfortable and uh, the intimidation will get less and less as they get to know, like I will give anybody the shirt off my back. Um, but it's okay to have some intimidation. I think when you when you're nervous about your goals and you respect someone, there's a level of intimidation that comes with it. But hopefully as you get to know them, and you understand where they come from, and you're clear what their expectations are, uh, and you're doing everything right, or you're trying to do everything right, then that intimidation just eases. It's the same way with me and my athletic director, right? The first couple times I sat in his office, I was super intimidated. And now, I mean, I just spent 10 days in India with him. You know, it just, mm. that's how it should be. They're at, the end of their journey should look much different than the beginning. Um, I heard you say that your athletic department is just phenomenal in the way they support the cross country and track and field programs. Yeah, I I know that's unique to BYU and probably unique to several universities, but not all universities. And I'm getting texts from my AD all the time. And I, Mm. I love being here because I know that they value the value that I'm bringing to this place and to the women of this place. And so I always talk about being at the right place with the right people led by the right people. Um, and that that's important to me. And you can show value in different ways. It's not always going to be just your salary or just, you know, investment. You can value people by just acknowledging their efforts and making them feel like they're making a difference in, in the program as a whole. And our, I mean, our football coach is, is a big fan of what we're doing with cross country and track. And that's, that's unique to the leadership here at BYU. They've made it, they've made it like a family and we all cheer for each other. And especially with the female coaches, I've kind of created this alliance of, of the head women's coaches that get together a couple times a year and just, um, yeah, have a bond. Cause it has to be bigger than coaching. It can't just be us coming in these little silos and, and being alone in this thing. We have to find, uh, we have to find company in in what we're doing, and we get inspired. That's so cool. 
Um, lastly, let's just touch on before we do into podcast questions here, um, gratitude a little bit. I know that's super important to you. We, it's like a common thread in your life. Um, and it's really important to how you run your program. So how do you talk to your women about gratitude? Day one of week one of cross country camp, we talk about our team culture, which is faith, trust, love built on gratitude and everything we do and everything we are has to be done through that lens of gratitude. I try to show it by example um, with the people in my life that I'm grateful for. And they, it's important for them to also do the same. And I talk a lot about showing gratitude and feeling gratitude are two different things. So I really want to teach my women how to show gratitude. It's, it's similar to buying a present for someone and wrapping it, but never giving it to the person. So you may feel the gratitude, but we want to make sure that we're expressing it so the other person knows that. And when you express gratitude, the other person gets that same kind of feeling as when they're being given a compliment. It's it's super important to, to do that. So it's just part of, it's a teaching moment. And it's an important thing, not just in sport, but in, in life to, to show gratitude for those who, who make things possible for us. Mm. Um, okay, Mike. Last question, Lindsay, and you have to do it in a podcast, so I'm just making sure it's a good one. <laughs> um, you know, I see you with your women, but I know that you're also a mom of two boys. How old are your boys now? 11 and 14. Oh, man. Okay, so, like, how do you divide the two? Um, and I'm not asking, like, a question about balance. You know, I'm kind of just more like your heart, you know, because to me, on the outside looking in, it feels like, like your team is your family. So what is what is your ho- actual like home family life look like as well? This is not the best time to ask me this question because I'm coming off of NCAA championships and I feel like the last three weeks, everything has been about being a coach. Um, so I'm feeling slightly yeah. uh, unbalanced, but I try to focus on doing two things really good. And I know I can do that. I can be a mom and a coach. Um, or I can be a wife and a mom or a wife and a coach, but I, I really can't. So that's all I do. It's in season right now. It's okay. Mom and coach. But the, when I had just my mm. first son and I don't know how many kids you have, but after having my first born, okay. Wow. Yeah. So you get this, you're going to get this because I'm like, after well, I know well, one's I, in the background, <laughs> after having my oldest, um, and then being pregnant with my second, I thought to myself, how can I ever love my second? Like, how is, how is that going to happen? Like, where am I going to find this love for my second son? And you just, your heart just multiplies. It has this amazing Mm -hmm. ability. And maybe some of that is this maternal ability that we, you know, women just naturally have this ability to nurture. Um, But your heart just grows and it multiplies. And so, yeah, there's room in it for, for all things. Um, but my focus can only be on two things that I know. Otherwise I, I, I don't think I would be as successful if I was just spread too thin. Um, but yeah, my heart just multiplies. And so there's room for my women and there's room for my boys and my boys are really proud. They're really proud of their mom. And that's, that gives, that gives me permission to have my presence look different in their lives. Uh, cause it is very different for all of the moms out there that are coaches. Um, you know, we mom, like we don't coach and we coach like we don't mom. And, and that's, it's, it's just, it's hard at times, but, um, my boys are very proud of 
who I am and what I'm doing. And they're very invested in my craft. They hold me accountable. Uh, when things don't go well, they, they will be the first to say, um, but, but yeah, they're proud of me. And I, that, that's a freeing feeling to know that I have that support from my husband and and my boys. Yeah. And I think that people just like, it just is, it can look different and still be really beautiful and wonderful no matter how you're showing up as a mom, when you're showing up as a mom, like there's no, there's no one way to do it. And I think that what you're talking about is a really beautiful example of, of one of many ways to do it. Yeah. And for someone else that's in the same shoes as me, it may look very different. And I applaud women who figure it out in the best way possible for themselves to be successful because um, the the balance that I was chasing in my early years of, of being a coach and a mom, mm-hmm. I never could, it was, I never could get there. And I always felt like I was failing. And now it's just this compromise that, that we constantly make and it's okay. All right. So we're going to wrap up here with into podcast questions. What should we be looking for with TaylorMade Elite though? Like what are these ladies up to? The ladies will be opening up at different times throughout this year, but the big focus is going to be some races in Europe this summer, which will be fun for all of us and the U.S. you know, US championships and, and worlds in Budapest. So uh, big goals there and excited to see what, you know, what happens with that. It's, it's kind of first for everyone. So um, we're kind of figuring it out. It's more of a collective effort than, than anything. And they're giving me as much as I'm giving them. I mean, today I went out for the tempo and I had a smoothie made for me. So on the way home, I was drinking a smoothie. Um, but yeah, they're great women. And that's what I'm most proud of, regardless of what, what goals and dreams actually come true, who they're becoming through this process is the thing that I'm the most proud of. Who made you the smoothie? Courtney Wayman. It tasted really bad, um, mm. but very healthy. So, yeah, they take care of me, um, and they're always checking in on me. They they know this thing is hard to you know add one more element to my life. Um, but I mean, in the summertime, we have them over with their spouses, and my kids will play with their husbands, and it it's just they're part of us. Oh. Yeah, I mean, if I were them, I'd be like, "Can I come over every day and play in your backyard?" This summer, that is the plan. That is the plan. Um, all right. What's something professionally or personally you would like to do that you haven't done yet? Hmm. Professionally or personally? Well, I feel like right now my head is slightly underwater, so I can't even think about something that I, I couldn't add to my uh, plate, but I <laughs> feel like um, I want to write a book and I'm not sure exactly what that looks like. I've started it a gazillion different times. Um, and there's so many chapters in there that I, I don't know where to even start, but, but that would be a goal of mine that I would like to, uh, at some point finish. Do you have any time to read? Cause I usually ask people what's the best, most recent book they could recommend. Okay. Embarrassingly, I'm going to say that I'm obsessed with Colleen Hoover. Um, I don't know if you <laughs> have read any of her books or yeah. I've read a few. They're, I mean, yeah. Anyways, that's... The BYU women aren't reading them, are they? I am not going to comment on that, nor am I going to tell you who I was, who I got them from. But um, I listened to a lot of podcasts and yeah, I actually posted on my story that I was reading a calling. Well, I, re- I posted it and then about two hours later, I like was getting to the book and I got to a port. I was like, okay, I got to delete that off my Instagram because... Um, I don't want people to know that's what I'm reading. <laughs> I, I don't want people to know that that is 
what I'm reading, but <laughs> it is. Um, I know I was reading one of her books one time and my neighbor like came up to the porch and I was like sitting on my like bench out front and I was like, like I'd like jumped because I was like, oh, I don't want you to see what I'm reading right now. I know. But she has such a unique way of writing and it, it takes no mental thought to read her books, which for women yeah. who have a ton of things going on, it's nice to just retreat and read without thinking. And so um, I love the self-help books and the motivational books and all of those, but they tend to be a little heavier and make you think. And this is just fun. Um, so yeah. there you have it. Okay. Well, what's your last message to leave with the audience? Oh, I hope that we just continue to just unapologetically be ourselves as women and just make the space around you, uh, just uplift the people around you. And I think when we do that, our communities will be better places and spaces. And um, I hope I'm doing that here at BYU. And I hope it serves as an example for, for women that are, you know, looking into our program. Well, best of luck. Outdoor season coming up. Yep. Thanks so much, Lindsay. All right, friends, thanks so much for joining us for this coaching series. It has been so, so fun. I cannot wait to do another one. I want to do another coaching series, but if there's any series you have in mind that you'd like to see us do, just let me know. Uh, you can follow Diljeet. Diljeet, thanks for coming on the show. She's Diljeet Dosen J.H. Taylor on Instagram. Definitely go follow Taylor Made. That is her new elite group that she is coaching. You can find me personally. I'm Lindsay Hine 626 at Lindsay Hine on Twitter. And we have a great Facebook group. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. You can learn more about this show and everything we talked about at sandyboyproductions.com. We will put all the links to everything in the show notes over there. And you can just sign up for our weekly newsletter if you want those uh, show notes delivered to your inbox in case we talk about a book or something that you want to make sure you remember and, and check back to. Um, just go to the website to sign up, sandyboyproductions.com. Uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us for this series. Big thanks to VDOT02 for supporting this series. Couldn't do it without them. Visit vdot02.com. Use the code Lindsay for 20% off the adaptive trainer. A very inexpensive way to train with a little bit of help without breaking the bank on a coach. And if you are a coach, I'm pro coach too. I am one. You can also go to v.o2.com and get yourself a free 30 day trial. All right, friends, thanks for being here. And we will see you next week on, or no, we'll see you this Friday on I'll Have Another.